0: Hey, everyone. I'm David Chalian,
1: the CNN political director. This is the Daily D.C. Impeachment Watch. Every weeknight, we've got you covered with up-to-the-minute reporting and analysis into this consequential moment in American history. In a few minutes, I'll be talking with CNN legal analyst Michael Zeldin. But first, I'm joined by my colleague, CNN reporter and producer Marshall Cohen.
2: Marshall, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, Chalian. Thanks for having me.
1: So, uh, as you know, Nancy Pelosi came back into town... And yet she's still holding on to the articles of impeachment. And she says uh, this is reporting out of what she told her members uh, last night that she's going to hang on to them until she has a clear understanding of what the ground rules of a trial in the Senate is going to look like and that it had better be fair. Uh, Over to you, Mitch McConnell. Well, he took none too kindly to Speaker Pelosi's uh, position, as you might expect. He took to the Senate floor today, and here's what he had to say.
3: Supposedly, the explanation for this shameless game playing is that Speaker Pelosi wanted leverage, leverage to reach into the Senate and dictate our trial proceedings to us. Now, I've made clear from the beginning that no such leverage exists. It's non-existent. And yesterday we made it clear it will never exist.
1: Of course, what he's referring to there uh, by saying yesterday he made it clear is that he announced he has the votes to proceed to trial rules as he sees fit. He has his caucus, his conference in line uh, and he has the votes. And and I am somewhat sympathetic to Mitch McConnell's uh, rhetoric here. I, I know uh, they are both uh, Pelosi and McConnell masters of their domain. But uh, the House part is over and uh, the Senate is in charge of the trial phase of impeachment. What is I mean, I wouldn't necessarily call it a shameless game the way McConnell did. But what do you see is Pelosi's
2: game here? Well, uh, it's it's trying to maybe make something out of nothing. You know, you have that last card to play transmittal of the articles Um And that's it. You know, that's all she can do, uh, short of having her uh, Democrats in the House pass maybe a third article of impeachment. You know, that, that of course, is some possibility that they've raised in court, actually. But in terms of real-world leverage, McConnell seems to be right on this one. And, you know, we were talking on this podcast several weeks ago Uh, The day after the impeachment, asking this exact question, is there leverage? What is the leverage? There never was any major leverage. um, But, uh, you know, time, time was one thing. And it was a bank shot from Pelosi that if you let this breathe for a moment, maybe there are more shoes to drop. And you know what, David? There were some shoes that dropped over the holiday break. There were some important developments in these uh, public records cases that have been brought by news organizations and uh, transparency groups to try to pry loose some of these emails and memos that were about the withholding of military aid. Now, Democrats hoped that this would be, you know, a, a Holy cow! Moment and say, "Wow, there really is a cover-up." You know, the calculus is changing. We need to call these witnesses. Americans are angry. Obviously, Americans are pretty much stuck where they are on this. Um, you know, so Pelosi thought maybe if she gave herself some time, there would be more shoes but to drop. But doesn't let me just interrupt you and ask you:
1: If you're waiting, if you've passed articles of impeachment and you claim to have a rock-solid case, you had the votes, you passed the articles, you're ready to press the case in the Senate. Why do you need why do you need to wait on more evidence or more shoes to drop?
2: And that's the problem, you know, and there's a little bit of a a, a mishmash here with the messaging. There's some dissonance and Republicans are correct to point out that people like uh, Democratic committee chairman Adam Schiff and Nadler had been saying for weeks that this is urgent There's a dire threat to our election. We need to do this now, not tomorrow, not next month. We can't wait for a court fight. We've got to do it now. And then the moment that they pass the articles of impeachment, it's, you know, whoa, 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 let's slow down. Let's take a moment. Let's collect. So there's a messaging problem. Maybe they honestly, David, could have thought about this a little bit before they approved the articles of impeachment about what that next morning hangover was going to look like, um, because they could have adjusted some of their messaging beforehand. And they could have even started talking about how Mitch McConnell was going to rig the rules in the Senate, which is what they're saying now. They could have previewed that beforehand. um, But instead, they've given Republicans a few Points uh, a few things to dunk on.
1: Yeah, I mean, it seems at this point just rhetorical points. I haven't seen any evidence yet to suggest that somehow Pelosi has harmed uh, her political position, or that the Democrats have somehow suffered politically from this. It's just a little confounding uh, to me at the moment because I don't see where the advantage is. But smarter people than I perhaps uh, do, uh, Marshall. I want you to hear a little bit more of Mitch McConnell, because on the Senate floor today, he also suggested that some Democrats in his body, in the Senate, it seems he's referring to, are beginning to jump ship on this Pelosi strategy. Here's more of Mitch McConnell.
3: The House has the sole power of impeachment. They've exercised it. But it is the Senate to whom the founders gave the sole power to try all impeachments and of story. And yet, even as her fellow Democrats are jumping ship, the speaker is trying to double down.
1: I don't know. Jumping ship is the right characterization. But what who who is he referring to here? Because I haven't seen anybody sort of stand up and say, I'm no longer I, I, you know, just
2: reject what the speaker or the House Democrats have done here. I think he would like some of those people to jump ship. I don't see anybody actually doing that quite yet. Um, This tiny cracks in the uh, democratic unity, I think, would be that uh, there are some democratic senators that have said that they're ready for the trial. You know, and such, they, as? Uh, such as? Such as uh, uh, Dick Blumenthal from Connecticut. I saw Chris Murphy as well from Connecticut say that. Uh, Blumenthal himself is a prosecutor, former AG of Connecticut. So he said uh, to our Manu Raju, our colleague Manu Raju, that he's ready to pro- uh, prosecute the case, you know, bring it on. Um, there were some others like uh, Alabama Senator Doug Jones, you know, they're ready to just move this on and, and have it in the Senate. Um, but, you know, Look, I, I don't think that McConnell, uh, you know, that's obviously he, he's a little bit of wishful thinking. Um, I did also see, I think, yesterday, uh, Joe Manchin, Democrat from West Virginia, perhaps the most conservative Democrat. He's not jumping ship on a key point. The witnesses. I saw him come out and say that he wants to hear from John Bolton. That would sort of be backing up the Democratic uh, point that we need more witnesses or that they need more witnesses, Uh uh, in this process. Uh, you know, so if Joe Manchin, the most conservative member of the Democratic Senate caucus, is still with his leadership, then um, it's pretty unified. But as
1: of this recording, you and I sitting here in this lovely CNN podcast studio here in our Washington Bureau uh, headquarters here, I, I it is still total stasis. We are where we have been. Uh, and there has been no indication of when this trial is going to get underway. Or uh, how, when Nancy Pelosi transmits the articles, names the House managers, and and this process gets underway. We are still in a total standoff at this moment between Pelosi and McConnell. Marshall, State, right there. Legal analyst Michael Zeldin is going to join our conversation. But first, this quick break. Welcome back to the Daily D.C. Impeachment Watch. I'm David Chalian. Reporter Marshall Cohen is still with me. And we're pleased to welcome CNN legal analyst Michael Zeldin. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. So I want you to hear from the Democratic leader in the Senate, Chuck Schumer, who I do think uh, rightly points out here as much as uh, Marshall and I in the first block were explaining uh, the lack of leverage Pelosi may have in this moment. uh, I do think the one Point of leverage that Democrats have. Uh, Chuck Schumer highlights here, which is the public overwhelmingly believes there should be witnesses in this trial. Take a listen to Senator Schumer.
2: When the Senate has votes on witnesses and documents, my Republican colleagues will have to answer to not just the president. The American people do not want a cover up whatever their view with the president. The American people want the Senate to have a fair trial. All the data shows that there have been two more polls in the last few days. Every senator will be under massive public pressure to support a fair trial that examines all the facts.
1: Now, Michael, you know, Mitch McConnell has not written off witnesses entirely. Uh, He is saying he wants to run this trial by what he calls the Clinton rules, have the trial start, have each side make its case and then have a vote uh, on witnesses should That be necessary. Now, we all know McConnell doesn't want witnesses. I'm just saying he hasn't actually closed the door on that uh, just yet. How important in your assessment of this case are witnesses, or has Adam Schiff and the Intelligence Committee collected enough evidence uh, to present to the Senate jurors that there's a case, that there's a valid case here?
4: So I think the House made a prima facie case for their two articles of impeachment. The witnesses that they called, I think, made compelling arguments that there was an abuse of the powers of the office and there was an obstruction of Congress. That said, there can be advantage, though, to have witnesses who were not available to the House to come forward and supplement the record with the firsthand knowledge that the Republicans have complained does not exist. And so I think while the arguments could be made on the paper that exists, it would be more fulsome to have direct testimony from those witnesses like John Bolton and Mulvaney and Duffy, who were there at the scene of the crime, if you will, to elaborate on what the House has been able to gather by itself. You
1: mentioned Duffy. This is a an OMB official, and Marshall referred uh, earlier in the podcast to some new information that we learned while over the sort of holiday break while Nancy Pelosi was hang, has, hanging on to those articles of impeachment and not transmitting, um, Duffy was involved in one of those things we learned. What What did we learn since the articles of impeachment have passed uh, about the role of Duffy and the Office of Management budget?
4: Right. So through the Freedom of Information Act request disclosures, Michael Duffy, an OMB official, political OMB official, advised the Pentagon Comptroller that it was the president himself who had put the hold on the Ukraine assistance. So here's a witness who for the first time is telling us out of the mouth of the president comes the order to hold the Ukraine aid. He doesn't elaborate on what the rationale for that hold was, but he does put words in the mouth of the president which is, I think, what is behind Nancy Pelosi's desire to hold these articles as additional evidence drips out.
2: Yeah, you know, that's a good point, Michael, because uh, that firsthand knowledge component was just a repeated talking point from all the top Republicans. Michael Duffy has uh, some First-hand knowledge of what the president wants, whether it came directly from the president or maybe from his acting chief of staff McMulvaney, we're not quite sure yet. But pretty much all the people that that Schumer is asking to have testify uh, would be the people that really know the most, you know. And Democrats sort of uh, chewed around this issue and got as close as they possibly could, but the people that still remain. Are truly the key players. And some of those emails that came out over the over the break, they they were alarming. They really were. They they showed how uh, the budget office repeatedly was pushing back on the Pentagon and the Pentagon was saying there may be legal problems here. This might be illegal to hold up the aid. It might break the law. It's appropriated money from Congress. And they said, no, 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 it's okay. It's okay. We'll put it in a footnote. We'll give you a two-day lapse. You know, we'll we'll move things around. We'll make it happen. There were serious concerns um, that we are just learning about now. So this goes
1: to, Michael, your point about a more fulsome picture, perhaps, of the pressure campaign or where that was being um, executed and and, uh, the different components. I, I guess my question is this. Do you believe a fair trial could be held in the Senate without John Bolton's testimony,
4: without Mick Mulvaney's testimony? No, because the second article of impeachment is obstruction of Congress. And that means that in the House, when they were trying to gather the evidence that they needed to really make their case, they were denied the evidence that they needed to make the case. I called it a prima facie case. They made an initial showing sufficient to sort of get it. To the trial, but it really isn't complete. And I think, therefore, that absent live witnesses in the well of the Senate articulating what, in fact, occurred between the key players, we do not have a fair trial. And you can't miss the irony, David, of this. The president has said overwhelmingly, that he has done nothing wrong. Now, here he has a home court advantage in the Senate to put on witnesses to prove that he did nothing wrong. Now, he doesn't have the burden of proving his innocence, but historically, you'd think he'd want his legacy to say, when the partisan House sent these imperfect articles of impeachment over to the Senate, I presented all the evidence to show what I've been saying all along, that I did nothing wrong, and let that be a lesson to Democrats to never do this again. But he's sitting quiet, on his hands, perhaps hoping for a quick motion to dismiss where no substantive evidence is really presented on behalf of his innocence. Now, you mentioned live
1: witnesses in the well of the Senate. That is not what happened in the Clinton case. They had videotaped uh, depositions, I believe, from three Witnesses. Does it matter if it's a videotape deposition that a House manager conducts with counsel present for both sides, or that it's a
4: live experience in the well of the Senate? Does that does that matter to you? Not not substantively. Not in terms of the content of what is testified to. As a matter of the gravitas of seeing a live human being in the well of the Senate being examined and cross examined, of course it's much more compelling. But no, substantively, it could be as it was in Clinton through deposition testimony played.
2: And also, Michael, wasn't there a big difference? There's another big difference between the Clinton standard and the Trump standard, because the Clinton impeachment was preceded by an entire investigation from Ken Starr that talked to everybody. And, you know, the Schiff investigation, if you will, was much more limited. I mean, don't you see differences there as well?
4: Oh, absolutely. There, there, the the notion that we're going to use the Clinton rules because this Clinton impeachment is identical to what we are going to go forward with in the Trump impeachment is just in, incorrect. As you say, Marshall, in Clinton, all of the witnesses who both sides wanted to hear from had already been presented to grand jury and they knew what they were going to testify to. Here, we have a group of witnesses who we have no idea what they're going to say. And so you cannot compare them. It's an apples and oranges proposition. And to try to assert them as as, as equal is just misleading. Well, I, I will
1: say this. I'm not big on predictions, but I don't believe we're going to get out of this week without Nancy Pelosi transmitting those articles, Uh, and having some sense of when this trial is going to take place. I'm now going to leave it to both of you to agree or disagree with me.
4: Well, I think you're right that the articles will be transmitted uh, sooner than later. I think that Pelosi must realize now that there are the votes in the Senate to proceed in the way in which McConnell wants to, which is opening statements, at the end of the opening statements, a determination whether or not we need supplemental witness testimony, and then that second-phase vote. What we don't know is how that second-phase vote will occur, but I think that's where we're headed.
2: I agree with you, too, David. I, I think that I think she'll transmit them soon, name the House managers. Um, but you made a good point earlier. I don't think she lost anything with this gambit, you know, and Republicans are going to uh, try to make it look like that the Democrats took a huge blow and, you know, that everything collapsed and that they were running scared— you know, that's a lot of bluster. I don't think she weakened her position, but I think the writing is now on the wall. It's it's time to move on. So, I actually I yes.
4: actually think if I just made one point. But I first, actually think that she has strengthened her invest her her standing. I think that this delay, this leverage that she acquired by having the time for Bolton to rethink his position. Have these FOIA emails come out has strengthened her case and Schumer's case for live witnesses. So I think she gained an advantage rather than lost an advantage.
1: We'll only know when the votes are counted on the issue of live witnesses. But I I take that point. And also, for the record, it seems we have no conspiracy theorists here in the studio that believe she's hanging on to them uh, to transmit them on the day of his State of the Union address on February 4th. But that's a whole other matter. I'm glad glad we don't have any of those folks here here uh michael marshall thank you both so much for joining me on the daily dc impeachment watch greatly appreciate your insights we'd like to thank our listeners as well for tuning in remember we've got a new episode every weeknight so please make sure to subscribe on apple Podcasts, stitcher google Podcasts, spotify whatever your favorite podcast app is and while you're there leave us a rating or a comment it helps people find the show we'll see you tomorrow